You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Hey CHCC, today we're going to be addressing a very sensitive topic for many people. What does the Bible say about suicide? And we feel like as parents, as grandparents, if you have children present, that you should be aware of the topic that we're talking about. We're going to try to keep it as family friendly as possible, but we feel like you should be aware of this as we try to give you tools uh, to help your family navigate uh, this very serious topic, especially as suicide is very prevalent in our society. We've been in a series called Asking for a Friend, and today's question is very personal to me. What does the Bible say about suicide? I want you to take a moment and think about if you've been affected by suicide. Do you know someone who's committed suicide or someone who has thought about taking their life or who's attempted suicide? We had a man at our church many years ago that, that I'd see almost every Sunday, and he always had a big smile on his face, and he would tell me funny stories, and he was just happy and go lucky. And I'll never forget the day that I got the phone call that he had taken his life. And I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I, I was in shock. And, and to this very day, I asked myself, what could I have done? Could I have done anything differently? I, I wish he would have came and talked to me. And if you've been affected by suicide, many times we're left by, with questions like that. I will tell you also that, uh, as many of you know, we had a son that had suicidal thoughts. And we went and got him help. And so when I'm answering this question, it's very personal to me. We see that suicide is on the rise in our culture. We've seen it with celebrities. We've seen it with ministers. In fact, the CDC has uh, just uh, released uh, or is reporting that a recent survey indicates that one out of 10 adults and one out of four young people ages 18 to 24 have contemplated suicide since the beginning of the pandemic. It's the second leading cause of death after accidents for people ages 10 to 34. And what's very sad to me is that there's a stigma that prevents one in five Americans with mental health conditions from seeking help. And we believe as a church that this must change, that we must put the spotlight on this issue. We have a saying around Castle Hills, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. And we want you to know when you're not feeling okay, that you can come and talk to us, that you don't have to suffer in isolation. Feel free to call me or email me. You can call me or text message me, Ronnie, or, uh, 210-288-8498, or email me, Ronnie, at chccsa.com. Our elders, our staff members would love to talk with you. We want to plug you into a life group, a small group, that you can have a faith community around you. We want you to know that you are loved and you are not alone. Now, when most people ask me this question, what does the Bible say about suicide? A lot of them are asking, is my loved one going to heaven or hell? And let me answer it this way. First of all, I'm not the judge. 
God is the judge. He makes that decision and he can save whoever he wants, whenever he wants. He doesn't need my permission or your permission. That's up to him and that's not up to me. But there has been a long teaching in, in the church, the universal church, that says that suicide is the unforgivable sin or it's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You, that's found in Mark, Mark chapter 3, verses 22 to 30 and Matthew 12, 22 to 32. And let me just say, I don't see that in Scripture. I don't believe it's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that it's an unforgivable sin. It's also been said that, well, this person wasn't able to ask for forgiveness. And so because they weren't able to ask for forgiveness, and then uh, that their sin isn't forgiven and they're going to hell. Well, I would answer it this way. I believe that Jesus forgives us of our past, our present, and our future sin. And, and let's just play this out. What if I was in a car accident and I saw the impact coming and I yelled out a curse word and I wasn't able to forgive that? Or I wasn't able to confess that sin? I believe that Jesus forgives us of our past, our present, and our future sins. Now, what does the Bible say about suicide? Not a whole lot, in all honesty. There's a lot of different examples, or I say there's some, some examples. There's five different examples in the Old Testament that we know for sure. You can look in our sermon notes by going to chccsa.info and click uh, on this week's sermon and you'll see those listed out. Uh, not only do you have the five, one of them that includes King Saul, the, the first king of Israel, uh, some would say that Jonah attempted suicide as, uh, in Jonah chapter 1 as he was thrown into the water. And I don't, don't believe that he thought there was going to be a great fish to pick him up. Uh, some would see Samson also as uh, committing suicide, while others would see this as an act of military bravery. In the New Testament, we see Judas, uh, the apostle who betrayed Jesus, committed suicide. And we see a Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, uh, who was going to commit suicide, but Paul prevented that from taking place. Now, while the Bible doesn't have a whole lot to say about suicide, there are some principles there that come into place. And, and to me, one of the most important ones is that God values the sanctity of life. In Genesis 127, it says, We're made in the image of God. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, one of the Ten Commandments, it says, Do not murder. God, that life is important to God. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. 1 Peter 1, uh, 18 and 19, For you know that God has paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold and silver, which loses its value. It was by the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God created you. God created life. And He's madly in love with you. And Jesus came down here in the messiness of this world and He paid a ransom. He gave His life so that you could have eternal life. And yes, life is hard and life is messy at times. But I want you to know that there's hope. And, and for us as Christians, we also want to try to give as much hope to others as possible. In Acts chapter 16 with the Philippian jailer, 
there was an earthquake. Why Paul and Silas, they had been arrested. Uh, they were in this terrible situation. They were singing and, and praying, praying to God at midnight. And then there was an earthquake. And all of a sudden, all the cell doors opened. The chains fell off. And the jailer who was in charge of everyone, I mean, he was responsible for everyone. He, he just assumed that everyone stopped. But if we look in Acts chapter 16, verse 27, it says, The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. And so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here! Here this Philippian jailer is in this hopeless state. The earthquake left gaping holes in prison. Why wouldn't the prisoners escape? He felt helpless, but Paul gave him hope. He says, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And Paul, in this instance, gives this man hope. And as a faith community, we want to do everything that we can to help others. Help others as they're experiencing a time of darkness and helplessness and hopelessness. We love God and we love people. Today, I thought it would be helpful to, to bring in one of my favorite school counselors, uh, Claudia DeLeon. She's a school counselor at Health Careers High School. Well, as I mentioned, we have Claudia DeLeon with us today. And I, I just want to say thank you again for pouring into my kids and to my wife. And then also just in the San Antonio, I know that you've made a tremendous impact. And so uh, we just want to welcome you to our CHCC family. And I know that you've uh, been a school counselor for how many years? For 15 years. 15 years with Health Careers High School? I've been five years at Health Careers High School and I've been uh, 10 years elsewhere at Marshall High School and Brennan High School. Mm. And so I know that as a school counselor you're, you, you have a lot of wisdom on especially the subject that we're talking about, but you also want to make it very clear that you're not representing uh, Northside uh, School District uh, with anything that you're saying today. Correct, yes. And so the question I wanted to start off with today is what is the difference between suicidal thoughts and maybe being depressed or having the blues? Okay, so I think it's absolutely normal for us to have certain things that happen in our lives that may make us feel sad or bring us down a little bit. Um, an example of that could be something as simple as uh, perhaps preparing for a project at work and it just doesn't go as planned. Um, or it could be uh, something severe, it could be perhaps marital issues. Regardless of whatever the issue may be, it's, it's normal to feel sad. Um, I think when it becomes problematic and when it becomes a little bit more than just sadness is when it's prolonged. So when you see something in someone where they are, where it's going on indefinitely, perhaps for weeks, perhaps it could be months, that is when there is cause for concern. And so as we've been talking about suicide, what are some signs for us to be aware of? Some things that we should kind of, maybe it turns, out, turns on a light bulb for us to say, oh, there's a problem here. We, we need to be really aware of what's going on. Sure. Um, and there are many different signs that you can look for. The thing with the, the signs is that you're going to see that some of the signs may sound more indicative of depression, but the interesting thing is that suicide can be an outcome of depression, and in most cases it, it very much is. And so some of the things that you can possibly see uh, leading down this road could be 
for example, um, a lack of interest in just about anything. Um, you just notice a distinct lack of, of interest, perhaps more isolation than usual. As we know, during this pandemic, um, a lot of people are isolating at this time, but this would be something different where you actually see uh, people want to just spend time by themselves, I mean, all the time. And, and it's just different from what is what we customarily see with that person. Um, you might also see some differences in personal hygiene. Sometimes there's a difference in their uh, sleep patterns, their eating patterns. They may seem very hopeless, um, just not feeling that there's any self-worth. So there's a lot of different things that kind of lead to that particular, I guess that kind of lead down that path that, that you might think, one might think that they're depressed. Um, it is not for us to make that determination whether someone is depressed. That is something that needs to be determined by a mental health practitioner or a family physician. But um, it is certainly something that we can look out for. And so, yes, those are, those are just some of the things. Um, when it comes to suicide, however, I think that some of those symptoms for, uh, for depression can overlap. And so you can see some of the things that I've already mentioned, but you'll also see um, sometimes they'll start giving away personal belongings. Sometimes um, they'll start talking about suicide. Uh, they'll actually mention the idea of not being here. And sometimes it, it's very obvious, sometimes it isn't. Um, they might start drawing things that lead one to believe that, that they're, they're drawing things having to do with death. Um, I think, I think those are about the ones that I can think of at this moment. And so if we, we see someone having some of these signs and we start having some concern, what do we do? Okay, that's a really good question. And that's probably the most important question. What do we do in that case? I think that our inclination is that we get very scared and sometimes we don't know what to do. But the reality is, is that if somebody is telling you that they have concerns or they're sharing with you how they feel, um, the best thing that we can possibly do is, first of all, we want to not be afraid to ask them that question. I think that so many people are afraid to ask, how are you feeling? Um, are, you, are you considering taking your life? And I know that that's a, that's a very difficult question to ask, but the reality is, is that we need to ask that question. And sometimes that can look like, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Um, if they say yes, do you have a plan? And research suggests that asking that question does not cause anyone uh, to want to take their life any more than they may have before. We're not putting ideas in their head. So it's, it's really important that we ask the question. Once we ask that question and if they say yes, now we have to spring into action. So the first thing we want to do is we want to listen and we want to do so empathetically. We don't want to necessarily interrupt them. It's probably not the best idea to share personal stories at that time. What's probably going to help more so in this case is to just listen and be as empathetic as you possibly can and say, I hear what you're saying and I can see that, you, you know, do you want do you want me to help you? I would love to help you. That is probably the best thing that we can offer. What we don't want to do is we don't want to um, minimize what they're feeling or what they're going through. 
I think that sometimes because we're so scared, um, it is natural to want to say, oh, but you have so much to live for. Why would you want to do that? That does not help people in the situation. When they're in that situation, that doesn't help them. Um, so it's important that we listen without judgment and that we, once we get to the point where we've heard what they have to say, then we need to spring into action. And that action can look like this. You can, if, if you're talking about a young person who has a family, you can certainly talk to their parents. Talk to them right away. You don't want to wait. We need to take all of these instances seriously. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about another adult, um, I think it's important that we never, even with, with children, and from my standpoint, standpoint as a counselor, I never promise that I'm not going to tell anybody. Um, I think it's important that we remain the same way with, um, with adults. We don't want to ever say, I'm not going to tell anyone, just tell me what's going on. Because the likelihood is that you are going to have to tell somebody. So if you're talking to another adult, what you may want to do is actually tell a family member. If there's somebody who lives with them, a spouse, um, if you know a family member that can come and stay with them and help, that's what you want to do is you want to get them involved. If there is nobody, if there's nobody that you can talk to at that point, another adult that you can bring in, then my suggestion at that point would be, you can say something like this. You can say, why don't we go ahead and take a look and make some phone calls? Let's make some phone calls together. I will help you. I will drive you there myself. Let's look into and see where we can call. You can either call the National Suicide Hotline, which is 1-800-273-TALK, or you can actually uh, call around and see what mental health facilities they have in town. Um, you can even call 911, but probably leaving that person alone is, is not the best solution at that point in time, if, if you really feel that there's um, an urgency or, or if there's a concern. Well, Claudia, thank you so much. I, I think this was so helpful and it gave us a, a, a lot of little nuggets of wisdom and, and I just appreciate again how you've poured so much into our city and, and helping our young people. Thank you. Thank you for having me.